You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Well, good morning, everyone. One of the benefits of being the, the, the boss is I get to make up the scheduling for things. And so <clears throat> I'd scheduled Oliver to preach today because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I thought, well, I'm going to stay home tonight. I'm not going to church tonight. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. And then he texted me on Thursday afternoon and he said, I'm so sick, I can't preach this week. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm preaching at Super Bowl Sunday tonight. And, um, but uh, happy to step in and, uh, and help uh, support Oliver and work together as a team and really happy to uh, be here this morning and share the word. feel like the, the God has uh, put something on my heart that I think you'll find uh, relevant and applicable and encouraging. Uh, as Oliver said, we're in our Living in the Spirit series, which we have taken from the book of Ephesians. And the main thought, or the big thought, is uh, welcoming and making room for more of the Spirit's activity in our lives. Last week, Ed spoke about spiritual rhythms in Ephesians 3, and today we're going to look at Ephesians 4 and the theme of spiritual renewal. And uh, it's, a, it's a great topic that, uh, as I was looking at renewal as a subject, I ran across something interesting, that our physical human bodies have between 50 and 75 trillion cells. Uh, some of us have a few more cells than others. And, uh, but somewhere in that 50 to 75 trillion cells, which is, is uh, quite, uh, quite a lot, I think. I don't even know what a trillion is, but it's a lot. And um, the interesting thing is all of our cells are in a, a process of cellular renewal. They are dying off and being replenished and rejuvenated uh, at different parts, different, different ways. And our body is uh, being rejuvenated and, and renewed in, uh, at different times in different parts of the body. The stomach and intestines are renewed, completely renewed every five days. Part, part of that's because of the, the corrosiveness of uh, the acids and things within our system. Our liver is renewed completely from, from beginning to end, uh, takes about 150 to 500 days, maybe depending on uh, how you're using your liver and how long it takes to get renewed. And, um, and the, uh, the skeletal system in our body is uh, it takes about 10 years for that to be renewed. And the interesting thing is that all of our physical self is in a continual state of renewal. And it's so important and it's so crucial that without it, our bodies would become weakened, we would become sick, and uh, we would die in, in not too long of a time frame. We need to be renewed. And the parallel, I think, is there to the idea of spiritual renewal that our hearts, our attitudes, our minds, our, the core of who we are, we need the continual renewal of the Spirit of God to kind of uh, turn over to uh, fresh life, new direction, and all those kinds of themes. And spiritual renewal, I, I would say, looking at the studies and looking at the subject, that spiritual renewal is mostly a renewal in how we think. Ephesians 4, 21, 24, our text today says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Verse 23 says, let the spirit renew your thoughts your attitudes, your, your core, your thinking, 
And part of living in the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, to reshape our cognitive kind of place and experiences. Think about how much is won, how much is lost by what goes on in our minds. There are some truths to spiritual renewal that I see from the text and from uh, this subject in Scripture. One is that changed behavior follows changed thinking. Business coach Michael Hyatt, he says that when a company loses its edge, usually there is a leader in the organization that has become stuck in the same old patterns of thinking. The leader sets the organization's vision, the the vision for the whole entire organization. And should they fail to identify consumer trends or adapt to changes in the marketplace, the company will stagnate. Innovative product launches, brilliant marketing strategies from 10 years ago are not going to work with the same impact as they will today. And regardless of the industry or the organization, successful leaders stay sharp by renewing their thinking, by not just going over the same old ways, the same old patterns. Michael Hyatt, it's interesting to note, is a Christian, and he built his coaching practice on the biblical worldview that would say changes in behavior always follow changes in thinking. And this becomes the core of his coaching practice of working with high-capacity leaders. And Scripture would say it like this, Romans 12.2 in the NLT, which is a version I normally use, says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change your thinking, change your life. This is a core principle of the spiritual, the work of the Spirit in the New Testament church and what the Spirit of God calls us to do. As I was looking at this uh, passage, one of the things I, I often like to do when I'm, when I'm preaching is I, I, if I'm, we're looking at a couple of verses, I like to look at a few of those, like, those power words or those big words that are like kind of the big thought words. And I like to look in the Greek and say, okay, what was the, what's kind of the context? What's the understanding of how that word was used in the day it was written down for the manuscripts in the Greek language? And I discovered that the word for renewed in Ephesians, as it's used here, is literally translated as renovate. That the Spirit of God wants to renovate our thoughts, renovate our minds, our thinking. Renovations have a couple key phases. I'm certainly no contractor or expert builder, but I can tell you that the first part of a renovation is to clear out the old junk. You can't renovate a house if you keep all of the old, broken, run-down, outdated junk. Tear up the old carpet, knock out the old cabinets, remove the sink, cut out the areas where it's moldy and decrepit and whatever it is you're trying to renovate, whatever it is you're trying to update and bring new life and new vision to. And in the same way, we have to get rid of the old junk so the Spirit can build something new in our lives. 
somehow we've become more comfortable by keeping around the old junk. You sometimes go into somebody's house and it's like being beamed back to 1975. Everything about it. And you're like, am I, is this the year 2020? Like, where am I? And I wonder if sometimes our spirits smell a little bit stagnant, a little bit moldy. We got like, plastic like grandma's couch over the, over the fabric. It's like nothing is fresh. We're still stuck in the same experiences or the, or the stories. And sometimes being a part of a renovation means we get rid of the old before the new can come. Well, Ephesians 4.22 in our text says it like this. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw off the old self, throw off the old living, the old way of thinking, throw off the lusts of the world, throw off the things that maybe are just, there's no heavenly value or redeeming value in them, they're just things, temporal things of this, of this life with no eternal value. You see, we're shaped by those things which hold the most space in our life. When we look at our lives, we say, what gives us the most, what do we focus the most on? What do we, what we put the most energies in? What takes up the most time in our calendars, in our thinking, in our life energy? Those are the things that ultimately are shaping our lives. A few years ago, I made some strategic decisions to clear out some of the clutter in my life. I was on my phone way too much. And I've shared this before. But I made a a strategic step in my life to create some space, to create some margin. And I'm a year and a half or so into those decisions and I am a better off person for it. And I like the results. It seemed like there was always something to check on my phone that ultimately was not really important. It seemed like there was always somebody trying to get a hold of me for something that could have waited until 9 a.m. the next morning. I shut off all the notifications and alerts on my phone. I logged off Facebook and Twitter and I wasn't, I wasn't on there. And uh, you know, part of it's because I was just too accessible. I was too distracted. Part of it's because I was too worked up. Have you ever noticed that Christians just say really dumb, stupid things on social media? And I'd be like, oh. I mean, I think to myself, man, if I wasn't that guy's pastor, I would punch him on Sunday morning. <laughs> And sometimes I'd just, just be riled up. I'd be irritated by some of the, the dialogue and the nastiness and, the, and I didn't want that anymore. And I didn't like the fact that I was being data mined and everything I was seeing in my feeds was, was this honed down kind of presentation of a slanted political ideology. I hopped off some of those platforms in the fallout and the heat of election time. I resented that I was being data mined and everything in my feed was about advertising, more and more advertising, and more and more links to articles that reinforce certain perspectives and views and corporate greed. And I just, I just needed to create some space. So there's no judgment on you if you use your phone. You might be on your phone right now. You might be scrolling through right now. Shame on you. Um, <laughs> There's no, there's no shame, there's no judgment. 
Just because you're on Facebook or whatever, that's, that's cool, that's, that's good. It's just, it's me. I knew that the Spirit was leading me to say, you need to create some space. What does it look like to be renovated in your heart? What does it look like for the Spirit of God to renovate your thinking? Because part of the renovation is deconstructing and clearing out useless, outdated, broken down, old junk. And our hearts become full of that kind of stuff. Are you being shaped by the things of the world or the things of the spirit? Is there something Jesus wants you to clear out so he can build something new? And of course, the other part of the renovation is building something new. Something new comes up, a clean slate, a clean canvas. Ephesians 4.24 says it like this. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. When we see words like putting on your new nature and being renewed, these are in multiple places in the New Testament scriptures. This is a big theme. This is a big part of what it means to be born again, filled with Jesus, and set with our path and our feet on a new direction and a new course. New priorities, new values. Put on the new nature. Well, when the biblical text uses that language, that when it says put on your new nature, the language that it's actually using is the same wording that we use when it's describing someone putting on their clothes, getting dressed, getting clothed, putting on an overcoat. We put on the nature of Jesus over it. We clothe ourselves, we cover ourselves in it. And the understanding and the background of that is because the Jewish audience who received the scriptures, who were taught by the disciples, taught by Jesus, who were Jews themselves, the Jewish meaning is that in all of the clothing had a significance. All of the clothing had a spiritual meaning. And when they put it on, it meant they were going to prayer. They were going to the temple. They were being identified as God's people. And their clothing symbolically told everybody else around them, I am a follower of God. And in the same way, we are instructed in Scripture to put on our new nature. Putting on our new nature is covering ourselves in things that look like Jesus. That's what it means. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are the evidence of the Spirit's work in our lives. Those are the things that allow the world around us to see we are walking for Jesus. He's filled us in our heart. He's given us new direction, new purpose. Those are the evidences. Those are the things that begin to shape our lives. Spiritual renewal happens when we let those things inform our thinking. Renewal is allowing the Spirit to lead us into things we wouldn't normally see or do on our own. It's new thinking. 
I want to tell you about Nick and Glennis Short, who are a part of our church community here in Cologne at the house. Uh, they moved to Canada from South Africa in the 90s, started a new life. They, they spent most of their life in uh, North Vancouver, and uh, they've been coming to the house since they made a few trips to Kelowna in the summer, and since the fall, they've relocated and are part of our community. And um, about 10 years after they moved from South Africa, they returned in the early 90s for a visit. And they saw firsthand the fallout of the, the HIV-AIDS pandemic that had wiped out an entire generation of parents and aunts and uncles and adults and grandpas and grandmas. Thousands of kids without parents or family to look after them, lost to the disease, living without hope, living without help. And when they were there on that visit, Nick's heart was stirred to do something, but he didn't know what it was. He just began to have his heart stirred. And you know what that's like? That's like those things of the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence, the things we put on in Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, understanding, goodness, faithfulness, all that good stuff, those are the things that grab our heart. When the fruit of the Spirit, when we're putting on the newness, the new nature of Jesus, it's those things that the Spirit begins to lead us in. That's how he begins to renew us and lead us in a new direction. And his heart became stirred. Six months after He's back in Canada. He can't shake it. He's laying awake at night, wondering, what can I do? I want to do something. I don't know what to do. He tracks down a local ministry, and he calls them up, and he asks if there's something practical he can do to help. And they say this. They say, why don't you just put together a little team of people and just come and be a part of us for a couple weeks. Smell the smells. Hear the sounds. Interact with people. Be a part let the Spirit of God stir you, speak to you, lead you. We can't tell you over the phone, but maybe there's something that will surface. So Nick, not been in Canada a long time, him and Glennis, part of a small little church community in North Vancouver, newer to Canada, they're like, well, we'll put the word out. So they start to let a few people know. Within two weeks, 26 people sign up. They want to go with Nick and Glennis to Africa, to South Africa. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He said, okay, I'm a, I'm a financial advisor guy. I have no clue how to lead a missions trip. And so he's trying to figure out flights and people are coming from all different directions and different days and he's got to figure out how do you get around on the ground and shuttles and buses and how do, who do I, what do I use, who do I call and, and all the, the, the hotels and places to stay and what they're going to do when they're there and all of that admin and all that stuff. He's like, I didn't know what I was doing, but we went. And they landed there and they got started and they started working with the local ministry there. And he said, soon I discovered something. That if you could keep those kids in high school and they could graduate, their chances of success in life was about 90% higher than the kids who just kind of got lost in the shuffle in the system and just ended up not finishing school and just going to the streets. Said that if they could graduate from high school, they had a higher chance of going to university and getting an education, a higher chance of becoming a, a productive member of society and culture, a higher chance of staying healthy and all the rest. And so he came back to Canada after that trip with one clear thing saying, You know what? I got to find a way to help those kids stay in school. And so Glennis and Nick, they set out, they don't know what. They'd be the first to tell you they didn't know what they were doing. He's just a financial advisor guy. 
nobody's doing. No offense, financial advisor guys. Or ladies, I know there are some financial advisor ladies too, no offense. Uh, he just said it was, it was outside of my expertise, my experience. I didn't know what I was doing. But he starts a registered charity with the government of Canada. He says, I just, I just, we gotta try to raise some money, we gotta try to take people over, we gotta try to help. That was 30 years ago. And over that time, Nick and Glennis have led over 30 teams to Africa, and they've raised over $3 million. They raised enough money to buy a property, has um, large enough, and it's by a, a, a river, and it's an acreage, it was a, a ranch, they turned it into a camp, built buildings. Now they're running retreats and camps for kids all over to come there all year round to experience Jesus and experience mentoring and relationship and connection. They're training staff and leaders for their ministry. They are the only ministry, the only Christian ministry welcomed without qualification or exception into the public school system. In the area that they're in, they, are, they run 10, uh, 10 clubs in the schools every day staffed with leaders to mentor and coach and encourage and give direction to kids. They get them school supplies. They help them get their uniforms. They help them with their homework. They help tutor them. They help kind of lead them and make sure they get enough food and they get medical care. They, they help them find out you don't have a, some of them don't have any birth certificates or anything. They were born in the bush. They don't know. Their parents are gone. And they have to have somebody kind of liaison with the government and help them. And it's hard work. It's not glorious work. And they're back and forth to government offices and presenting the kids and getting them an ID and getting them their, their equivalent of a SIN number and just helping them get going in life. And the beauty of it is that when they graduate and all these kids and all the impact that they have, not only do they generally as a normal way of their experience, they come to faith in Jesus and they become disciple followers of Jesus. But when they graduated, and they, then, it was, then Nick said, well, then what are we gonna do? And so he started raising money for university tuitions because the kids are on their own, they don't have anything. And now they've had kids graduating as doctors and social workers and teachers and nurses. And now they're back in the clubs and they're helping disciple and raise and mentor the kids from the neighborhoods that they were at years ago. And it is a tremendous story of success. A tremendous story of Jesus at work showing one step at a time. I'd like to introduce you to Nick and Glynis, but they're not here this weekend because they're at Missions Fest in Vancouver. They're promoting their ministry. They're promoting the next new growth and phase of their ministry. This couple in their 60s are like the Energizer Bunny. And they've started a new ministry initiative called Schools for Schools. They're partnering Canadian schools with South African schools. The kids are connecting on social media and becoming friends. He said in the school, the kids will all get together and, and teachers and the, the ministry and they'll help and they'll get one phone, one phone for the, for the group of kids. And they'll all get their own SIM card with two minutes of airtime or five minutes of airtime. And they'll all get together and, they'll, and, and they're in the club and they'll put in their SIM card and then they'll call and text and Instagram and message their friends in Canada. And then their airtime will be done and they'll change it up again. And they all take their turns. 
and they're making friends and connecting with Canadian kids. The Canadian kids are doing fundraising projects to buy books and school supplies, and some of them have gone over there on, on trips, and some of the Christian schools who are participating with this, it's open to all schools. Some of the Christian schools are making it more of a, a missional aspect, and they're sending their kids over in short-term missions teams. And right now, Nick is developing software to facilitate virtual classroom sessions together. And I don't know about you, but I hope when I'm retired and in my 60s, the Spirit of God is still leading me like that. I hope that I don't lose my edge. I hope my thinking doesn't get old. I hope I don't get comfortable. I hope that I don't lose the perspective of heaven and eternity and the significance of following Jesus and reaching people for Jesus. The urgency, the passion to renew my thinking, to stay fresh, to let the Spirit of God lead me into new things. The coolest thing about Nick and Glennis is that when you meet them, you'd never know that this is their story. They never had ambitions to create and lead a ministry that has changed hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. They just began to walk out what the Spirit of God was tugging and leading them in their heart. As they clothed themselves in more of Jesus, Jesus was able to grab more of their heart. I'm going to get the band to come, and we're going to get ready to close this morning. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, that's a great story, but nothing in my life is that amazing or significant. There's no way I can do that. Well, the point of the story is not that we should all be leading multi-million dollar ministries in Africa. That's not why I told that story. The point of the story is the Lord invites ordinary people like you and I and Nick and Glennis to participate in his kingdom. And when the Spirit of God renews our thoughts and attitudes, he can lead us into things we wouldn't see or do on our own. He sets us free. We're no longer focused on the things of the world, but instead we fix our eyes on the things of the Spirit. We don't all become leaders of international ministries, but we're all participants in God's kingdom. It just looks different for each one of us. And as kind of one of the, the heart and the focus in our series is that the Spirit of God is active, living, and powerful, and at work building the kingdom of God in the world around us. And there is an invitation to every believer to participate in that ministry, participate in that work. And the kingdom of God is advancing, and Jesus is at work, not just in churches at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, but he is active in your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout the week, your friends, your workplaces, where Jesus has placed you. 
And there is an invitation for you to step into the activity and the ministry of the Spirit of God. And the main question is really, what is the Spirit saying to you? Part of living in the Spirit, part of renewing our thinking is letting the Holy Spirit lead us Lead us in his plans. Lead us into places, experiences, and things we maybe don't see on our own or wouldn't attempt on our own. What is the Spirit saying to you? As we are preparing our Living in the Spirit series, we felt the Lord give us a, kind of a, a, a series of little prayers or phrases that we've been bringing to the church and praying into and reflecting on over the last number of weeks. It's Jesus. We ask you to bring calm in the chaos, clarity in the confusion, and the courage to continue. Maybe your life has got chaos. Maybe you feel like, man, there's not, I can't, I can't think about like serving Jesus and his kingdom. I can't even hold things together. They're crumbling apart. Sometimes we feel like we got one, one foot in life and responsibility and problems and one foot in like, yeah, I want to do great things with Jesus and you kind of feel like back and forth. Our prayer is that you would have calm in the chaos. Pray that you'd have clarity in the confusion to understand clearly how Jesus would lead you and move you forward. The, the courage to continue in those things. And that certainly is a prayer for the church. That certainly is a prayer for our community. But we really wanted the series to not be just about our church in our community on Sunday morning, but for you and your lives where you are throughout the week. And so I want to just lead us in some moment of prayer. Maybe you just bow your heads and just kind of open your hearts in this moment. Open your spiritual ears, your spiritual minds, and just to ask and reflect on this question, is there something in your life that the Spirit kind of wants to clear out, to freshen up, that as He renovates your thinking, as He renews you, as if this has got to go, You've been holding on to that for too long. It's old, it's stagnant. It's not of spiritually minded things. It's too important. Let the Spirit just speak into your heart about what needs to be renovated, what needs to be knocked down and cleared out. Jesus, each one of us can identify and knows that there are things that we're holding on to, things that are taking up prime real estate in our heart, things that are crowding you out, things that we're not letting go of. There's, there's lots of stuff, but Jesus, I pray this morning that you would help us to be courageous, to make some steps, to make some choices, 
to let you renovate our hearts, to come in and clean out some of the junk and create some space. And Jesus, we would invite you. Spirit of God, we would welcome you to renovate our heart, renovate our mind, renew our thinking. I pray, Jesus, that we would put on the new nature. We put on the things of the Spirit. We put on love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, all these things that look like you, Jesus. I pray that you'd help us put on that nature, those things, and that those would be the things that you lead us in. Those would be the things that capture our heart and we see you at work. We pray, Jesus, for calm in the chaos, clarity in the confusion, and the courage to continue forward in the things that you lead us in, the things that you whisper into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Audio from the House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.